0: I'm Katty Diop. I'm Tafferet Jemian. Welcome to Yeah! A show where we talk about young adult, the lit,
1: and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited.
0: Yeah! talking about Zenobia July written by Lisa Bunker Um, an awesome uh, very young adult uh, novel so probably for kids aged like I think like a a sharp nine to eight to nine and up. Um, The story of Zenobia, a trans girl who uh, moves to across the country to live with her aunts. And it uh, recounts her adventures in her first year at school.
1: Special thanks to Seth Day, the host of the Rad Child podcast, which is a podcast also hosted on the Upward Network. Seth was sent this book uh, by by the publisher and um, read it and said, I think you... Should read this. <laughs> I handed it on. Bless and, you, um, Seth. Yeah, read it, and uh, uh, it was pitched to me as a middle grade book. I would say this reads as a young young adult book.
0: Yeah, more I than more than a middle like. grade
1: book. It's so good
0: it's so good it's <laughs> so good <laughs> it's so good um so yeah. the, the the joy like i mean before we start this off i think it's important for us to mention uh neither tefer nor i are uh trans mm-hmm. and so we can't necessarily speak to the trans experience yeah however we can speak to the fact that this is just a good book mm-hmm. this is the kind of book that like at the end of it, I was like, I kind of want to buy a copy of it and like send it to a couple of schools just as a gift. Yeah. Because this is, this is good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am non-binary, so I'm like somewhere under the trans umbrella, but yes. I'm not binary trans. Exactly. and And I don't have that experience. Um, I do, however, have a lot of people in my life who are and who also the person who recommended it to me is so it's sort of recommended on good authority um, the author is also a trans woman she yes is the I believe New Hampshire I looked it up she was the one of the first um, transgender representatives in New Hampshire which is pretty cool
0: listen um, uh, Lisa Bunker you are a good person. Yeah. Um just through the writing of this book. Yeah. Um okay, so we, we we have a couple of a couple of themes that that struck us. Uh obviously we are adults li- reading a book <laughs> that, you know, uh I think had I been 12, I would have loved this book. Um being baby queer and seeing this great grouping. Um and there's something really lovely about this book is that In the first few pages Zenobia gets To school and is feeling super Awkward it's first time um, That she's able to You know kind of express her, her, her Gender identity at school without it Being an issue it's like A clean slate and she meets Arlie um, Arlie is uh, Will become her best friend um, And Arlie kind of brings her into This group of quote unquote orphans um, But it's like a grouping of misfit humans Mm -hmm. and holy hell finding community so quickly and that importance of someone just showing up and saying hey you look like you belong to us Mm -hmm. and bringing them into you know obviously cafeteria setting right it's perfect Um, and just embracing Zenobia as for who she is Mm -hmm. period Mm -hmm. no questions asked Mm -hmm. I freaking adored it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love I love the character of Arlie. Um Arlie's a really important friend to Zenobia through the book. One of the things I really love about Arlie is that um Lisa Bunker lets Arlie mess up sometimes. Yes. They they get things wrong at times. They end up really um like hurting Zenobia at times. Yes. Um but, you know, it's so cl- clear that like their heart is in the right place and you know, um I'm I'm trying to switch because uh, Arlie actually has different pronouns from they them. They use vovair, yes. which I had not heard before. I think it's, there may be there may be like Arlie's custom pronouns, okay. which is another important subset of the non-binary not non-binary world. Non-binary. the non-binary world that not all non-binary people use they them pronouns. Myself yes, included actually at this point absolutely um but anyway so so arlie has vovair pronouns which i think is a cool uh visibility thing yes anyway i like that they're so enthusiastic they're like this character that i feel like they're like this character that i feel like we all know who's like the really eager advocate who maybe hasn't worked out all the details and maybe kind of like charges headfirst into things sometimes but so clearly just wants to create community wants to create support
0: yes and this group of friends is comprised of and I think that's the part that that really struck me was this group is composed of not only queer characters um and For me, I find that super interesting because when uh, there's this idea that like queers like to hang out exclusively together and while I am a big fan of uh, having very inclusive spaces and sometimes it's nice to take a step back and be like, hey, we need to like we need to to work something out as a closed off community to then go back outwards. in a school setting there is something lovely about you know in their group of friends there's there's um a dynamo who is a uh a congolese uh immigrant uh who wears a hijab there's elijah who is uh, somewhere on the spectrum and likes to have like very calm space and and all that so they there's something really lovely about being able to say us as a community and as a supportive group, mm-hmm. because that group is incredibly supportive of one another, um, to be able to just say, like, we are who we need. Mm-hmm right? And, and there's no differentiating. So um, Dynamo is a, a hijabi uh, a black uh, y- young lady uh, who hangs out with Arlie and Zenobia. And there is, uh, so the tilt in the story is that there is a, there's a, an Islamophobic uh, meme that's posted on the school's website. And the reaction of uh, Dynamo's parents you know uh her own reaction so the parents reaction is to take her out of school um and just to make sure that she's safe and her reaction is to say okay you can't protect me from everything i am hard as nails i am a badass i'm dynamo kind of thing and i was like god that's cool and to see that like you know, Arlie and Zenobia are really preoccupied by, is Dynamo okay? And they want to make sure that she feels welcome. And they're her family, you know, mm-hmm. they're her 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 friend family. And that's really crucial. So that really spoke to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's wonder- a wonderful part of this book. I think it also speaks to something I really appreciated, um, which is it's such a good depiction of Maine. Like mm. Maine as a place. I have family in Maine. Yes. And um, they run a very cool... Anarchist bookshop in. Uh, of course um, they do. They do. They also have a farm and a and a good fat baby. <laughs> um, it's called the box car. It's called Boxcar Books. It's in Maine, and and if you're in that area, I can't remember which area of Maine it is now, so that's not helpful. But anyway, I've spent some time in Maine, mm-hmm. and I have family who live in Maine, and really kind of have uh, spent a lot of time with the culture. And I love what you see in a lot of New England. Honestly, you see this contrast between the the old school hippies who have been there forever like Zenobia's aunts who are you oh. know queer and chill and kind of the rural queers that exist in the US that people look over all the time um and that's a really big part of New England rural culture okay and then you also have your more stereotypical rural white Americans who you know always vote Republican and are very conservative church going People, um, one Melissa's family well, yep. exactly so so you and you really have this mix and you really get this picture of that um, super dynamic culture that exists in New England and that was nice for me as somebody who grew up in New England has family in New England um, Especially, like, right now, I only have family family in rural New England and Massachusetts and Maine. And uh, it was really cool to see that culture really, like, given its due. Because I think a lot of the time we either see kind of urban New England. We see this, this urban-rural split along left and right politic lines that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very cool to see that, like, whole... Um, cross-section of New England culture. That's and really interesting. Yeah, I just, I loved it. That
0: was really special for me. Uh, yeah, I can, I can completely imagine. Uh, there's, it, it also speaks to sort of Quebec culture, right? Like there is something really interesting there too is that we also have an, a rich tradition of like, well, mainly American hippies uh, moving here Um, and then uh, into rural -rural areas back when uh, communes uh, were cool and, uh, you know, that plus the combination of, you know, local townspeople, Francophone communities, and uh, that's interesting. It, It just kind of made my my head go ding yeah. um can we talk about the adults in this book
1: yes good adults in this oh, book
0: good adults in this book um so zenobia moves in uh with her aunt phil and her aunt lucy um who are basically who i want to be when i grow up let's just be honest like they're they're lesbians they have their own gender stuff happening um and they are they seem to be the the, the safe house right the, yeah. the 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 place the meeting point yeah for the community in their area and oh they're so kind they're learning to be parents they really come at it from a place of love and they're there for Zenobia when mm-hmm. she needs it yeah but they're also very I love that there's this part, like this tiny little part that really stuck out to me um, when Arlie comes over for supper for the first time, and Zenobia, having grown up in uh, Arizona in a very conservative Christian home, um, you know, like all yes, sirs, yes, maams, and and this and that, um, Zenobia will ask her aunts if she could wait by the curb for her friend to arrive. And her answer are taken aback by that. And it's like a teeny tiny little moment. But as an adult, there's something really, really particular about a child who's so eager, but you want them to fly, you know, with their own wings and to make mistakes and to, you know, to, to test their boundaries a little bit. And that moment just, you know, they were like, yeah, of course. Um, but they are both surprised by that, yeah. by that request. It just... It, it came and it got me right in the heart for some reason yeah
1: yeah I get that I love the this just this depiction of a couple who are very um have some distance between themselves and Zenobia's family because uh it's Zenobia's father's sister and her partner and um she just clearly had some very firm boundaries with her family when she came out and moved across the country and you know has her life there but as soon as Zenobia needs a place to live um it's just like well of course yeah. and I love the progression from well she has nowhere else to go and we can be this home to of course we're going to start working on adoption she she's ours yeah um and oh. I can understand that you know even as an adult of just kind of okay we have an adolescent in our home suddenly out of nowhere after never expecting to have children after having our very contented child-free lifestyle yes um and also this child is going through i mean she lost both her parents she's just moved across the country i love the complexity that's there in the relationship from both sides. Yes, with also Zenobia being like my my aunts are lovely and they let me live as who I am, which my parents did not, um, and they're clearly trying so hard, but they only make weird food. It's always little triangles of pita <laughs> that you dip <laughs> in goop, and I don't recognize any of these elements. And like, I love when she when Arlie's coming over and she's like, "Could." Could you make re- like regular food? <laughs> Could you like try to make regular food? Even though Arlie, I feel like, would be super into oh, yeah. triangles of pita dipped in goop. <laughs> Vegan um, food for Arlie <laughs> would be like, yes, I'm into it. I'm here yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And there's just, I, I also really love the um, compassion and retrospect writing about Zenobia's parents, especially her mother. Yes. Um, but also her father. That that Zenobia just really sees her her parents. For who they are and has a lot of love for them, especially for her mother. And there's this one memory she has that really hit me somewhere. Her mother died when she was quite young, when she was five, I think. But she has a memory of, you know, all these lovely memories of playing with her mom and having a wonderful relationship. And then she remembers asking if she could put on her mom's earrings. Yes. And her mom saying well no those are for girls not boys and it kind of being the first time she realized there was a difference and realized that that other people saw her as a boy not a girl um and she has this kind of dark moment of the soul where she's realizing you know I'm so sad my mother died I miss her so much but it's totally possible that I would still be separated from her now because of this and that this is something she just couldn't accept yeah um and I just, I find that nuance, that perspective, um, that's one of the details that makes me kind of be like, yes, this is a book that was written by someone who's in that experience. I mm-hmm. feel like that's something that you don't necessarily notice a lot of the time in, in queer narrative books we have. And then my parents were just horrible because they just made maybe this yes. or like they just couldn't see me, um and like the people who accepted me were wonderful because they just accepted me and that's like that's a story that makes us as queer affirming adults feel good yes but it's not a truthful story it's not the whole story children love their parents
0: yeah and I think that that was uh for me that was that was an interesting aspect of the book because it also made me think like hmm if you're 10 12 14 you're reading this it allows for nuance right and I think that that's what we're lacking socially, generally, yeah. anyways. Yeah. Um, but just this idea of you can love someone for who they were in that moment, yeah. um, but able to say, for my own safety, I'm going to love you from afar. Yeah. And I think that that's beautiful, right? It's like this, we, we, it's true. Like you said, we definitely have this idea of like, oh, I came out, my parents hate me, I'm out the door, they don't exist anymore.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it's 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 not true we have complex feelings heck if I like without even going into the complexity of parents if we even just just think about like exes. The number of yeah. times I'll go and just kind of like check out an ex's profile or something like that. Not out of um not out of like cruelty or like a need for like unhealthy curiosity. It really just is like I send you love and light. Like yeah. we are not right for each other, even if you're a scumbag or at, we were at that moment, I still kind of care from afar. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to you.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to know that you're okay. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that 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 kind of care and that kind of connection does not um, negate the dangers, does not negate the hurt. It doesn't negate the need for separation Mm -hmm. because I want to make it very clear. Like I think it's, there are children who need to be away from their birth parents, yes, there are children who need to put that behind them. There yes. are children whose parents hurt them and put them in danger, and that is not always physical, but I think we really lose something when we tell children and youth in that situation that they have to have a um unnuanced blanket anger mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. We need to sort of understand that separation, necessary separation um. Includes love, includes grief, includes sorrow for who you needed your parents to be, includes memories of before the abuse started, because mm. abuse can start early or it can start later. It can, it can crop up at adolescence. Um, and it's just really important to make sure that, that kids and youth are always affirmed in their feelings, even when you're maintaining that boundary.
0: Oh, Taffer, you're so... So eloquent today. I love this. Yes, please. Listen to that. Turn it into a cro- I, a cute like Instagram <laughs> quote post. Like, I don't know, but like that's that's what it is. Right? But that's also what love mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Um and that's what care is is that sometimes You just need to protect the person who needs the most protecting. Mm -hmm. And that's it.
1: I'm really all in my feelings right now because I went to um, Amanda Jate Knox who wrote Love Lives Here, wonderful book, Mm -hmm. wonderful blogger. She has a blog called Maven of Mayhem. If you are curious about trans youth, about families living with trans family members she is a great resource um and i was at her book signing this week and i got to meet her yes and now i'm i'm halfway through i've been reading it this morning while nursing my sick baby and um it's just like i'm really in my feelings right now yeah Uh, it's beautiful i'll Um, probably be finished it tomorrow (laughs) perfect timing
0: um i'd like to also uh give a special shout out for um Perhaps my favorite character in this book, Uncle Spark. Um, so Zenobia encounters through her aunt's um, this. Uh, I think the description is like a big burly man with like mm-hmm. ch- like facial hair, but also like a butterfly face painted onto his cheek. Um, so Uncle Spark is uh, a drag queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and is the feminine energy in the family and is uh, well Zenobia's answer awesome and they're great and they're very affirming of who Zenobia is within her gender identity. Uncle Spark is able to support Zenobia in her quest for femininity and that made me so happy Um, when they first meet like he's just like what are you wearing? What's happening? Like, what's this situation? And when the answer just like, oh, well, uh, you know, we took her shopping, but you know, we don't dress in women's clothing. Um, so and like Uncle Sparks just like, I'm taking care of it. I'm on it. Let's yeah. go. And it's just this like source of feminine power, right? And while like, You know, the binary doesn't exist. It is kind of nice to be able to look at uh, different types of energy and who brings them. And I thought that that was really very intelligently done that, you know, this young trans girl is getting her
1: lessons in femininity from a man. Yeah. Oh, that was great. I think it's so important too because at first she kind of perceives him as a threat. Yes. And it's so incredible to have that just broken down and have it be like no adults can be safe. Even men can be safe. You know, men who maybe remind you of your father can still be safe. And. Um, That's so special. I love the part where when they go to the mall, he's not just like, okay, girl, girl, girl. He's like, what is what is your fashion inspiration? Yes. Where does your style come from? Who do you want to look like? And it's this obscure manga. And he's like, okay, let me, or anime. And he's like, okay, let me look that up. Pulls mm-hmm. up some images. Okay, I can work with this. Let's, you know, let's do that. Yeah, it's it's really special. And he's really seeing her. I think, you know, um, the binary doesn't exist, but the spectrum does. Yes. And Thank sometimes you, it's very hard for adults who fall kind of in the middle of that spectrum to understand people who fall to either end of that spectrum. And mm-hmm. and the aunts are very much... Um, indicative of second wave feminism lesbians, right? <laughs> like, they're like, we don't shave, we don't wear makeup, bras are a trap by the patriarchy. Yep. And so when you have a little youth who's kind of like, well, I would like to look pretty, please. <laughs> <laughs> I had some of this tension with my mother. <laughs> you know, Same. Yes. Yeah. I remember grinding up the leads of colored pencils to make makeup. <gasps> So that I would have makeup. I love that so much. I uh, learned how
0: to put on makeup in March of this year. Um, yes, <laughs> so proud of you. Yeah. fingers yeah. all around. I'm still working on it. Yep, <laughs> um, because my mom's version of makeup was um, putting face cream on, and uh, on a an exceptional, you know, situation, she would wear a bit of lipstick. Like, she's a gorgeous woman, but
1: you know, yeah,
0: me, yeah, for her makeup, not a thing.
1: My mother started penciling in her eyebrows, I think, um, after menopause. Whoa. And she would say, kind of, you know, well, women make wear makeup to look like you look now naturally Mm. because that was her understanding of makeup. Instead of, it's been fun actually to continue having this conversation and have her just be like, oh, makeup is something you could just have fun with like fashion is something you can just have fun with and i would say our, our aesthetics are still kind of a world apart but uh it's been fun to see this progression of just like okay there are women who are not enslaved by makeup oh yeah <laughs> there are people who are not enslaved by makeup yes
0: yeah. and recently that's it when i uh i, I... Went on a makeup journey recently, uh, thanks to uh, my awesome sketch partner Sarah Malika, who's been on a few episodes of uh, shows on this and network. who's real good at makeup. She's also, real good she's at makeup. real
1: good at makeup, and she's very pretty. Yes, yeah.
0: Um, and she was very good about like you know doing. We co- sort of had the same experience as uh, Zenobia had with Uncle Spark. Uh, we went into Sephora. I had a panic attack, and she was like, "What would you like to?" try to create and I was like I don't know just a little like a little sparkle a little zhuzh and she was like all right and then like made me discover Fendi beauty products
1: yes
0: and then the rest is well painfully expensive (laughs) but um really fun and it was exactly that it was the it was learning that makeup is about doing what you want yeah like, I think the first time I saw Sarah walk into a, a show like wearing blue lipstick, I was like, damn, that's cool. And she was like, yeah, makes me feel like a badass. And I was like, yep, this is this is this is my teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, um, yeah, uh, like hip, hip, hooray for characters like Uncle Spark, um, mm-hmm. who, you know from a baby queer perspective I'm glad that I had some older queers around uh to help guide me through the world so I think uh I think he does that really well in this book
1: Mm -hmm. yeah he's he's wonderful Mm -hmm. I want to dwell on the scene where Zenobia plucks out all of her eyebrows (laughs) Because this this scene, she gets teased for her eyebrows at yes. school as I almost feel like that is a rite of passage. Yes. To get teased for your eyebrows. So but for her, of course, it's triggering dysphoria. And her her you know, the people bullying her don't know that she's trans, mm-hmm. but it's a real fear place for her. This scene I think is exceptionally well written because I think plucking out your eyebrows is something that we all do at some point. I know I have done it. Same um, I, I, it is really a rite of passage. But the emotion that that scene is saturated with is so special. And, and the way that Lisa Bunker, I think the scene just really shows what a talented writer Lisa Bunker is because um, she takes this fairly run-of-the-mill adolescent happening mm-hmm. that happens to all of us mm-hmm. in some extent or another um, and gives it the extra weight that it has for Zenobia personally yes. um, and then we also get to see the adults being kind of perplexed by how this seemingly small thing has knocked her out of commission for days Yep. and then we get to see Uncle Spark coming in and showing her how to draw on her eyebrows
0: draw on the eyebrows just so
1: delicately being like of course the natural look is always lovely and you are beautiful and I wouldn't change anything about your face however if a girl were to want to make a little more space for her beautiful eyes you know she might start here and she might do it this way you know if she wanted to (laughs) always it framed that way. Yeah. Right?
0: If that's what you were looking to do, right? It's it's it puts the power in Zenobia's hands, which I think is really very interesting because we start off with this character who is so painfully shy and scared to share parts of herself with the world. I mean, yes, there's there's conversations about um, you know disclosing uh, about her trans identity. However, there's also issues about disclosing her hacker identity. Yeah. Um. And those things are given a similar weight, and I found that really interesting. Um, there's this. There's this duality, right? Zenobia is not just trans. Zenobia is so much more. And obviously, I think we all want to think that all authors will write people as multifaceted and as having many layers. However, this way was done so expertly, right? There's the theme of secrets is huge throughout the book. Um, But it's different secrets at different moments and the disclosure and finding safety in order to disclose is mm-hmm. is such an important theme here and it's something that you know i think as allies as queer folks as just human freaking beings we need to think about how can we create safe spaces for people to open up mm-hmm. right and it these things don't ha- don't happen overnight and i love that that's what was done here right the conversation about disclosing her her, her gender identity um doesn't it's not a like hi I met you oh cool let me tell you all of my stories it's I think I'm ready to start talking about this thing with this person but I want to take my time and it gives agency to Zenobia which I think is something that often lacks when we've got any character who's marginalized uh in books whether they're for adults or, or or YA books Giving them agency to make their own decisions and to, to come at things in their own time. It's beautiful because it's also not taking your readers for, you know, for idiots. Mm-hmm. It's, it's letting them understand that you too are allowed to feel safe. You're entitled to being cared for and to coming to things in your own time. And whenever that time comes, if it comes, that's the right time. Yeah. Because you came to that decision all by yourself
1: yeah 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 and I I mean I like that she she goes through kind of several opportune moments right before she decides on the right one I love that the book ends with her being like okay I can come out to a small circle of people yes it's not and now I'm gonna become an activist and go out there and be like brah I'm badass trans girl hacker it's like no now I'm gonna tell a couple of people and like share this a little bit but I, but I still want my privacy because, like, frankly, it's not anyone's business. It's no one's it's business. It's no one's business. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, um. The one scene that kind of sticks out to me around that is when another kid at the school is outed mm-hmm. as trans, and uh, Zenobia understandably freaks out quite a lot, and Arlie reads that. As Zenobia freaking out about someone being trans and gives her <laughs> this very stern lecture yes and Zenobia is just kind of like it's not that it's not it's not that it's not that still not that um, <laughs> and then when she finally does come out to Arlie Arlie is like, "Oh my god, oh, I'm so home. sorry. <laughs> Oh, Arlie,
0: what a fun character. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about the language used in this book. I think um, I was really pleased to see that. OK, so the book is uh, it's chapters. It's told from Zenobia's perspective. However, it's broken up. There's also um, uh, text conversations between Zenobia and uh Arlie. Uh, Arlie, thank you. I don't know why I had a brain fart. Um, so between Zenobia and Arlie. And then there's perspectives, like very short, like one page, page and a half uh, perspectives on Zenobia from other characters, from other secondary characters. And I thought that was really intriguing. Um, it's an interesting way of doing it and giving us really like very uh, very much of a full Um, a full comprehension of the ways that people look at one another. Um, But I love the fact that this book doesn't shy away from using proper language. Um, The definition of genderqueer is given by text. um, When, you know, Zenobia tries to ask Arlie, like, "Uh, are you a boy or are you a girl? And Arlie's like, well, let me explain this thing. And it's done in a... in a non-condescending way the same way that they explained dysphoria also and i thought that was really important it's hard to explain dysphoria when you are not super well versed and it was done very very simply yeah um and it's just like hey i'm struggling because what's happening inside and outside are not matching boom and you're just like damn like can you imagine like a 10 12 year old reading this someone who's not necessarily been exposed to this type of vocabulary or uh you know or just differing ideas on gender identity this book just really lays it out clearly yeah in a sympathetic like well like mindful adult kind of way um but it also gives them proper vocabulary to move forward with and i think that Like I will always, always, always celebrate authors who speak to children like they are full human beings. Yes. Um, And while I know that, you know, authors are well-meaning, this is important. It's really important to explain that, like, Islamophobia can hurt people. It's really important to explain that, you know, uh, misgendering or anything like that can can really cause harm. But to do that in a way that is really not punitive and not like you are a horrible ally, but more like and through Arlie making mistakes and things like that, we get that picture. But we also get a lot of learning opportunities Mm -hmm. through this book. That was long winded. Sorry. No, it
1: was great. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a it's a wonderful book. It truly is. It really is. It's it's special um, in terms of the way it's written, the complexity and nuance, but also simplicity. Yeah, there's there's so much there. It has all the richness of life. Yeah, but it has all the simplicity of life also um and that is not an easy thing to do Agreed. I want to get my hands on everything else she has written <laughs> yes uh, <she laughs> seems to
0: is, um, I saw that she wrote a book
1: called uh, Felix YZ yes um which I'm also very curious about um, that one I've been aware of for a while okay and, and just haven't written yet for while, I don't know when it was published but I've been aware of it for like at least a couple of years mm-hmm. um and yeah I'm I'm eager to read anything else that may be it but I'm really hesitant to say that now because I really stuck my foot in it with uh, Tanuja Desai when I was like, <laughs> she absolutely only has one book. And she was like, hey, could you maybe like, a, could, you could you fix you maybe that? that? Yeah. And I was like, I will do everything in my power to fix that.
0: What a blunder. <laughs> um, so, folks, um, Zenobia July by Lisa Bunker. Mm-hmm. Read it. Leave it lying around in a school library. I don't know. Just give it as a gift. Yeah. It's a great book. Uh, and also, ooh, ooh, ladies and computers. Yes. I just want to say mm-hmm. it's really nice to have a female-identified
1: yeah, gamer. Female. She female.
0: Yeah. 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 She a lady. Because a girl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, To and to explore that and to have her be real freaking smart.
1: Yeah oh yeah. that's satisfying I don't want to give all the details away because this is a cyber mystery Yes. so th- that's also something we haven't said it's a cyber mystery it by is. the way um, and it's great and there was another scene that I keep going back and forth I'm like I want to talk about it no I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it for anybody mm-hmm. so yes um, read it enjoy it uh,
0: like four thumbs way way up
1: way up if I had more thumbs I would put more up but I only have four Totally agree. Same. Uh,
0: And also, Lisa Bunker, we love you. Absolutely. Keep being awesome. Absolutely. We support you. Absolutely. And uh, a message out there to all people who might uh, encounter trans kids, please affirm their gender. Oh, my God, yes. It (laughs) is not up to you to decide who does what with what parts of anything of who they are. That made no sense, but whatever. Um, I got it. When someone says, this is who I am, you say, okay. Okay that's it that's the only acceptable answer it
1: truly (laughs) is if you're having some trouble understanding it there's a lot of resources gendercreativekids.ca is a great resource Zenobia July is a great resource Love Lives Here by Amanda Jaday Knox is a great resource Mm -hmm. there are uh, there are literally so many resources so many um, that you know you don't really have an excuse um, to say that there aren't any there you go Yes, I will be right
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. That was so cute. <laughs> I just saw like this tiny
1: little head pop out. She'd be like, <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> it was respectful that she was whispering. Absolutely. Like, I know I have to be quiet in here. Yeah thanks for listening to
0: yeah if you want to leave feedback suggest a book for us to read or just say hi yeah please say hi uh send us an email
1: at the yeah podcast at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter at yeah podcast and individually i am at teffer bear and i'm at catty double underscore d incidentally i do tweet quite a lot about supporting trans youth so if you're interested in that and also weird things my child says that's what's on my twitter yeah teffer does good twitter um, if you like the show and want to help us make it even
0: better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shout outs, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Resch, Erica Stuk-berry, Stuk-berry? Stuch-berry. Stuchberry, Kat McGuire, Lizzie
1: Tenhove, and Chantal Thomas. We have merch. What? It's real cute. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. Some being some merch. You can also support us for
0: free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend. This week, share it with anyone. Really, everyone needs to read this book.
1: Literally free. anyone and everyone. Yep. And maybe teachers. Mm, definitely. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tepara
0: Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about, you can find out about, you can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Bye! Bye!
1: I'm Tom. I'm Will. And we're the hosts of Blasting Off Again, a new Pokemon podcast brought to you by the Upward Network. We've decided to take on the task of watching through every episode of Pokemon, providing live commentary and in-depth analysis of everyone's favorite 90s dogfighting cartoon. We're tackling the hard-hitting issues. Is Brock racist? Was coughing the first ever suicide bomber? What are the environmental implications of using Pikachu to power a building? Will Misty ever get her pipe back? Find out the answer to all these questions and more on Blasting Off Again. Available on the Upward Network, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're We're blasting off
0: again!
1: I'm Julian McKenzie, co-host of the Scrum Podcast, a sports show I'm doing with my podcasting partner in crime, Tristan Damore, on the Upford Network. Every week we analyze something different from the Canadian sports media landscape. Lack of diversity, getting a job in the field, coverage of different sports, and answering some of the harder questions. Through a combination of back-and-forth discussion and high-profile guest interviews, We're aiming to figure out exactly what's up in the world of sports. Find us wherever podcasts are sold. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Message in a Bottle, Morse Code, Telegram, Singing Telegram, Target, Walgreens, Bird's Nest, Dad's Shed, uh, and a crowded convention center bathroom.